Welcome to all of you. We're saying welcome. It's amazing. Um, man, oh man. Welcome to all of you. Glad to have you here. We're glad to have you in literally in the chapel, in the Students Worship Center. We're glad to have you uh, in the lobby, in the Kids Center. If you're in my office, um, please stay out of the ments. I'm glad to have you. We got people everywhere. If you wandered in here by mistake, you got in, you know, like traffic was just kind of like going, and you were like, well, let's see where everybody's going. This is Parkview Christian Church, okay? I know sometimes mistakes happen, like, you know, darn it, Alexa, I said Jesus, not Jesus, uh, but... but but we welcome you. My name is Tim, and this really is a church. It really does count. Um, if your mom is asking, I can sign something for you. It's just that we like to do things a little differently around here because we think Christmas is worth celebrating. And our goal is to make you not secretly wish there was Red Bull in the communion cups by the time we get to the end. Okay? That's it. Um, new Linux, Homer, uh, glad to have you guys here. We have other campuses. I know our New Linux campus is in overflow as well. Uh, we're glad to have you guys here. We've been having so much fun with Christmas at the movies. We've done, I think, 12 or 13 different Christmas movies over the last three years, and we keep going, well, is there anything left? You know, we're not going to do Bad Santa and Fred Claus, you know. I mean, so what are we going to do? But we've decided we're going to dig deep next year, and we're going to do it again, okay? I'm just telling you right now, I promise you, it's going to be awesome next year. we got a couple that we figured out, and uh, you never know, maybe I'll do a Hallmark movie. Uh, I mean, if I get desperate, i got to do something, right? Did you know that they had a fantasy Hallmark League this year with, like, movies? I... Like fantasy football, but with Hallmark. I don't know what it was like. You pick whichever bad actor goes with whichever washed-up actress in whichever obviously stupid situation that would never happen in real life, and you win money, I, I guess. Um, but, 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 you know, I may also break down and finally do the one I've been threatening for a long time, Die Hard, because it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Tower. Can I get a dilly-dilly? That's what I'm talking about. That's a Christmas movie. And so are these. Maybe we'll even make this happen. My uh, creative team had too much time in the last couple of weeks, I guess. So today we're doing Christmas Carol, obviously. Uh, let me say up front, if you haven't watched The Man Who Invented Christmas, it's something you can rent. Um, I think Netflix made it last year. It's the story of Dickens writing Christmas Carol, and it's really worth it. Because as you look at the history of Christmas as we celebrate it today, this book really did have a ton of influence on how the world now sees Christmas. And even though it's one of the best-selling books ever, never been out of publication in 176 years, Dickens had to self-publish this book because they didn't think anybody was going to buy a Christmas book. The fascinating thing about this as you start to study it is this is a personal thing for Dickens in a way. That's what the movie is all about, The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's a personal thing for Dickens in a way you don't really understand. Dickens' dad was kind of a crazy dude and ended up going to debtor's prison when Dickens was only 11. So think about this. When Scrooge says in the book, are there no workhouses in response to, you know, an ask for a donation... Understand that Charles Dickens literally spent part of his childhood in a workhouse as an 11-year-old boy. I'll show you a scene from that later. Tiny Tim was based on a nephew of his that uh, did actually die of tuberculosis. So all of this is really, really personal. Then again, by the time, uh, by the time Dickens had got to this book, 
uh, and writing this book, he'd had a couple of failed book attempts. He'd, he was having financial problems of his own. He still had this bad relationship with his dad, and nobody wanted to publish his book. And he will admit, he later, later would admit that he was in a, a Scrooge situation about this time. He was treating everybody poorly, and, and he was in a humbug reality even as he was writing this book. That's why this book was so personal, because he'd experienced the Cratchit side, and he was experiencing the Scrooge side. So we pick up the story with Ebenezer, cold-hearted businessman that has plenty of money but is a miser and has no compassion when he's dealing with people and especially no place for the poor. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. I'm just going to tell you we're using the Muppets version, okay? It's the best one. It's the classic. And here's the deal. I'm going to read you about the Jacob Marley scene. You remember the scene, right, when the chains are there and all that stuff? We started trying to find a scene that we could play you, and even the Mickey Mouse version is too scary for kids. So we're like, nah, forget it. I'm just going to read it. Scrooge says, you are bound in heavy chains. I mean, you, you remember whatever version, the Jim Carrey version, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> the, the, the Bill Murray version, whatever it is, there, it's a scary thing when the dude shows up. And he says, yeah, I wear the chain I forged in life. And hear me, I come tonight to warn you that you have, a, you have one chance of escaping my fate. One chance. So before you think I'm crazy, and this is church that preaches from movies, um, Let's go to the Bible. Let's, let's look at the first Christmas story um, like you know I'm going to do. Uh, it's either Luke or Matthew, and we're going to go with Matthew this time because I think there's a similar story going on during the, Christmas, the original Christmas story. And this Scrooge um, wasn't visited by three spirits, but he was visited by at least three spiritual people. And it went something like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came to the, from the east to Jerusalem. Okay? So, so you got your nativity scene, but, but, you know, there's no Herod in uh, any nativity scene, so I had to improvise. <laughs> and I've got Darth Vader on the Game of Thrones. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, sometimes you just got to make do, and you may want to do this later on, right? So the three kings show up, and they're there, and uh, this is a real freak-out moment for King Herod, uh, Ebenezer Herod, I'll call him today, okay? Uh, because the first Christmas, we know this, is, is this quiet little silent night over here, right? You've got this poor couple who are in from out of town. They have this baby. There's no room for them. The first witnesses are these bunch of shepherds. And, and other than the angels who had come to the shepherds, but out in a field where nobody else saw them, God really came to earth in stealth mode. That's why we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, right? That, that's why a little town of Bethlehem, it's like God just, the almighty God of the universe comes into this scene and, it's, and, it, and it, just, it just blows our mind to think that Christmas is like this. And it will in a minute when we have baby Jesus out here and we do communion. But that doesn't mean that the balance of power on the earth wasn't shaken when the king of heaven came down to be a baby on the earth because there was this guy named Herod, Right? Herod was the most important person in the region. When King Herod, Magi from the east came and said, where's the one who's been born from the Jews? Listen to this again. We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. We've come to worship him, okay? The king 
Now, this would have been a big deal. This would have been intriguing to, to Ebenezer Herod for several reasons. They followed a star, and he was into that kind of stuff, the spiritual stuff. He was, they were always looking for signs and wonders, and he was also super paranoid. And, and the problem is Herod's business card already read Herod, king of the Jews. He was literally called the king of the Jews. And they said, hey, we followed a star to find the king of the Jews. This is a problem. Because his Instagram username was at real Jew king, okay? And he said, you know, met with the three Orient kings today. Anybody else heard of a baby king being born, right? That, that's what we're going with. Then you need to understand from history that Herod was so paranoid about power, he actually executed three of his own sons and two of his own wives that he thought were trying to take over his throne, his own family. I mean, he took Scrooge to a whole new level. That's why I thought Darth Vader worked out well. This should make the next verse make more sense to you. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Because when the psycho king ain't happy... Ain't nobody happy, right? You get this. I mean, I don't have time to give you all the background on this crazy king, but just know that Jerusalem would have had a lot of similarities to North Korea, okay? And Rodman's nowhere to be found at this point, okay? So you got Silent Night, Holy Night over here with the shepherds and some animals and, and, a, and a manger scene turning into this massive power struggle over here in Jerusalem when these stargazers show up. Then you got to add to that the religious rulers. Herod goes, hey, religious rulers, where's the king the Jews supposed to be born? And they said, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And I didn't have any religious leaders in the nativity, so we got stormtroopers. I'm going to stay in theme here as best that I can. They said he's going to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. So you got to understand... This is Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. I can, you can stand on the wall of Jerusalem and you can literally see Bethlehem right down here. So you got this beautiful, tiny little scene going on over here. And back over in the palace, all heck is breaking loose. And think about how dumb this is. Herod, they say, was in his late 60s at that time. If a baby king is being born, what difference does it make to him? He's not, by the time he grows up, it's not going to matter. Anyway, Herod is foiled in his plan, and when he realized he'd been outwitted by the Magi, who were told by God, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Are there no workhouses? If they're starving, maybe they should just die and decrease the surplus population. You see what I'm saying? Basically, Herod has been offered a chance here, and instead of making the right choice, an entire generation dies, and Ebenezer loses his soul because he didn't listen to the three spiritual people. The reason that Jacob Marley and the ghosts come in the Christmas carol is because Scrooge has been given a choice about his soul and about his eternal destiny, just like Herod had. And you need to understand that this salvation message is so important that God always sends signs our way. He sent angels to the shepherds. He sent a star for the wise man. He sent the wise man to Herod. Everybody had a choice, and so do you. We all have a choice as long as we're here on this earth as to what is going to happen to our eternal destiny. And Jesus said verse that applies to Herod and Scrooge and maybe all of us, for what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Herod didn't get it right. 
You know the ending Scrooge did. But on the journey, the first spirit that will visit Scrooge is the ghost of Christmas past, Scrooge's past. The ghost says, hey, come with me. Let's go look at your past. And he says, no, I don't want to. And honestly, you know, I mean, you don't want to go flying around with a ghost anyway. But if somebody came to you and said, hey, let's go look at your past, your hurts and your disappointments and all of that kind of stuff, you'd probably say the same thing. I know I would. But here's what Charles Dickens knew and what he was experiencing as he was writing this book. You can't really live in the present until you've dealt with the past. Let me say that again. You can't really live in the present until you've dealt with the past. So Ebenezer goes back to see his past. And this is where we start to see what made Ebenezer into a Scrooge. We find out that Scrooge's father blamed him for the death of his mother. She died in childbirth when Ebenezer was born, and he's not allowed to come home at Christmas, which leads him to be this hollow shell of a man. And even as he grows up, he starts to fill up his soul with money and things and possessions, and he has this wonderful girlfriend, this fiance, but he can't ever pull the trigger on marrying her because he can't really love. And he really becomes the poster boy for that phrase, hurt people hurt people, you know? If you haven't heard that before, uh, that's, a, that's a big talk when it comes to uh, dysfunction and a lot of dysfunctions. Hurt people hurt people. you got to remember, however, that Dickens is also writing this from the same pain. Dickens is a hurt people as well, who had a bad relationship with a father who left him to live alone in, his, in a workhouse. And in the movie, The Man Who Invented Christmas... I'll show you this scene. Dickens has gone back to the workhouse. He's frustrated with the book. He doesn't know where it's going. He and Scrooge are kind of having this battle all the way through as he's writing this book and trying to figure it out. And sometimes the characters appear in in the movie as they're talking to Dickens. And he goes back to the workhouse where he had this miserable childhood. And Scrooge appears there. You can witness the personal pain as the writer and the subject go head to head. Hey, I don't know uh, what happened to Herod to make him who he was. And I'm guessing that there was pain. And I don't know what brought you here today, but I'm guessing that there's some stuff going on back in your past that you would rather not let the ghost of Christmas past remind you of either. That's why I hope that you will allow this story and this story to break into your life this Christmas. Because as we head into 2020, we need to have the vision to see the chains that have held us back, weighed us down for so long. Nobody's going to try to tell you that they weren't painful. Dickens certainly won't. But what are you going to do with it? That's the question. Enter the ghost of Christmas present. This spirit tells Scrooge that he's here to help him change. Scrooge says, I'm too old, I'm beyond hope. Go and redeem some younger, more promising creature. Leave me to keep Christmas in my own way. And the ghost of Christmas present in the book says, Mortal, we spirits of Christmas do not live only one day of the year. We live the whole 365. So it is true of the child and born in Bethlehem. He does not live in, the, in men's hearts only one day of the year, but in all the days of the year. You have chosen not to seek him in your heart, therefore you shall come with me. And this is where the present starts to get real and personal to Scrooge. Okay, This is where he sees Tiny Tim. 
And something starts to break in his heart. He sees the past. He knows what's brought him here. And now he sees the present and his behavior in ways that he never realized before. And and it's almost as if Scrooge has been forced into the story he's been trying to avoid. It's a familiar experience, right? You make your way down the aisle looking for a seat. If it's assigned seats, you, you're hoping the guy next to you isn't sweaty or the lady didn't bring a service animal cat. And you sit down in your seat and you watch and you wait. Maybe, maybe you'll laugh this time. Maybe you'll cry. If, there's a, if it's a musical and I'm there, it probably means I have a family member there, and I have to be because I can't stand sing-talking. I went to West Side Story one time and watched dance fighting, and that really put me over the edge. But that's just me. No matter what, you're there to watch something happen to someone else. It's a fascinating experience to watch events unfold in the lives of the characters on the scene on stage, on, in a book, you know, whatever it is. As an audience member, you and I get a unique view. The gap between the seats and the stage makes all the difference in the world. And what we see, what we're watching are our moments, okay? That's all a story is. It's a collection of moments that move people from one place to another. As an audience, we get to see how each moment happens in the life of one person and how it affects another person. And that moment goes on to affect another person, and it's a, a whole tangled web, or, or, or better yet, it's a chain. It, it's like the links in the chain. It's like the story is built moment by moment, and the chain is built one link at a time. In the crowd, we can often see the chain being built before the characters even do. But it's entirely different perspective when you're in the story. You remember the chains. They're a haunting sound and they were meant to be. In the case of Marley, it represents a whole bunch of moments in his life when he added links to the long line of greed and selfish ambition in his own life. And he's here to warn Scrooge of a fate similar to him, and he offers him a chance to break the chain. And he moves from participant to observer with a replay of those defining moments, those those links in the chain. And these are the moments that helped build the chain that Scrooge is dragging around without even knowing it. It was the flip of the room, taking Scrooge from participant back to observer that offered him a look into his life that he would not soon forget. But I think there's something that you and I have been missing about Scrooge, and that is that it's easier to write him off as a villain than to see how we could learn from him ourselves. Maybe we do that because we don't understand how a Scrooge gets made. Dickens did. Dickens was inside the story with Scrooge. He knew very well that Scrooges aren't made overnight. They don't just appear one night and take over someone's personality. That's why he walked us through all the the defining moments in Scrooge's life, to show us that it's really just one link at a time. And it may not even be obvious to us that it's even happening. It's those humbug moments that reinforce us and reinforce the negative stuff that's going on in our life. And and as we listen to those humbug moments, we become more like Scrooge. 
That signature phrase actually has an interesting meaning. To call someone or something a humbug is to say that they are uh, behaving in a deceptive or dishonest way. It wasn't something he made up. That's an actual phrase. It even goes so far as to say that someone is a fraud or an imposter. So when Scrooge is saying Christmas, bah humbug, he's calling Christmas a fraud, a lie. He's weighed so heavily by the chains of his past that it causes him to dismiss the generous goodwill of Christmas as a hoax, as a fraud. Have you been there? Gotten so fed up with the whole thing that you may not say it out loud, but somewhere along the way, you're just like, yeah, Christmas, whatever. You didn't, and maybe you would never say humbug out loud, but that little humbug voice on the inside, maybe you were believing it. Maybe you're even, if you're honest, believing it today. Dickens himself wasn't far from that point, and I'm pretty sure that's what made the whole story really tough to wrap up. Take a look. Couldn't find a scene to show you with chains. But I needed you to hear them. You remember what it was like, whatever version you saw, to see Marley weighted down by the chains of all the things that had happened in his life. The funny thing about that, that scene that you just saw was the scene that Charles Dickens originally was going to end the book with. He was just going to let it be one of those stories where you just made up the ending and you didn't know which was going to happen and it was up to you to choose. And I think the reason that Dickens got stuck there is because who can believe that Scrooge would change? If he's that bad, if he's that angry, is that even possible? Jacob Marley said, I wear the chain I forged in life. And and if that's true, then what, what are you going to do about it? But he says, it's not too late for you. I'm here to warn you, you have a chance and a hope of escaping my fate. So Marley wouldn't have showed up if Scrooge didn't have a chance to shed the chains. More importantly, Jesus wouldn't have showed up if you were past the chance of shedding the chains. And that's why I'm trying so hard to invite you into the story, from the audience into the story. You can stay in the armchair section if you want, and go, yeah, yeah, heard it before, Savior, who is Christ the Lord, good news, great joy, all people, whatever, bah humbug. You don't understand my chain, Tim. What about the things that the people have done to me? What about the things that I've done to myself? You don't understand. Sure, Tim, you, you, you're in the story. I'm glad this works for you, but I'm watching from the seats and it's not working for me. Well, perhaps your perspective needs to change today. My point is, we've all had some things happen, maybe recently, that have created more links in the chain. That battle with addiction, that struggle with anxiety, depression, your issues in relationships, school, work, whatever. It's real. And some of you have a long chain behind you, as all of us do in some way or another. Some of you drugged your chains into wherever you're watching this today, and you've had them for so long, you kind of forget they're even there and where they all came from in the first place. But here's the problem. If you don't believe that a Scrooge can change, you won't believe that you can change. And like Marley and like Herod... We're going to have no choice but to carry them with us. And the problem is we all know that the past gets connected to the future 
And we know where that's going at the same time, don't we? But what if that deep wound that makes you so bitter could actually be healed? What if that heavy weight of addiction could actually be lifted so that I could do the work of getting clean? What if my feelings of anxiety and lack of purpose that keep me up at night could be changed so that I see something bigger that gives me life and energy for the day to come? Dickens was going to stop there because he thought that Scrooges don't change until he got into the story. And that's when he decided it had to have a good ending for him and Ebenezer. And that's why I'm setting these chains here and leaving them here so that maybe you can picture yourself coming into the story and standing right here because you know why the chains are there and you know where the chain is going so this is the defining moment for you often in a story a character is given a defining moment and you're sitting there in the audience going man I hope they make the right decision right Listen to me, the reason that we have 25 Christmas Eve services is because we believe the defining moment could change your chains forever, could change your life forever. And we want you to have a chance to find yourself in the big story of Christmas. Because we all carry chains. But Jesus and Christmas is about losing the chains. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You've got two choices from the words of Jesus tonight. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? That's one choice. that's That's the chains choice. Or drop the chains and know that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We believe in that. I believe in that. That's the Christmas story, you guys. Herod chose to preserve the chain and keep the chain, and you can too. But Mary decided to go with it and said, May it be to me as you have spoken. Joseph took Mary home to be his wife. The shepherds went to Bethlehem to see the thing the angels had told them. The wise men followed a star. A lot of people in the Christmas story made the right choice. And they all had their chains too. But when the time came to make a decision, they dropped the chains. And you can too. Watch what it feels like when the movie ends the right way. I wish you could watch the whole scene because it's so great, right? You remember they buy the turkey. He goes over and surprises them. And the, the, the classic line from Dickens is, and Scrooge promised to keep it from then on, and he was good to his word. Jesus comes to make our lives. Listen, it's not going to be perfect, okay? You drop the chain, people are still going to keep trying to put links on your chain. Okay, and, and, and Bob Cratchit was still going to have to go to work. A different boss, but he was still going to have to go to work. And Tiny Tim might still have a crutch. But Jesus came to bring us peace and hope and joy and life to the full as we live this life. And the deal about dropping the chain is when people come along or when you come and do things to yourself and you, you try to add a link onto the chain, it's not going to be that big of a deal if there's no chain to link it onto. It's that much easier to throw it away and not worry about it if we choose to believe the message of the angels to the shepherds, today is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. So this is your moment. When Scrooge experiences that moment, he says, I'm as light as a feather. I don't even know what to do with myself. What if you could walk out of here that same way? I really believe that you can. 
I really believe that you could feel exactly how I feel right now, having the weight of those chains off of me by simply opening up your heart and accepting the gift of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, be with us as we, as we celebrate Christmas, as we head into the next couple of days, and we all have family, and we all have things that we're doing, and we're, we're going to be busy, and, and I'm not going to be the pastor that's going to get up there and say, help us to remember what this is all about, because this is going to be the defining moment right now. I'm asking for this to be the defining moment. And Lord, if there are people in this room that need to open up their hearts to you, will you knock really loudly on the door of their heart? And people, if you need to ask Jesus to, to take the chains, just in your heart, pray along with me right now. Just say that. Jesus, I need you to take the chains. I know that you didn't come to earth just to be a baby and show me how to live my life. I know that you grew up to die on a cross and rose again to free me from my chains. And I believe in you. I accept you into my heart. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I need you to be in control and not me. Maybe I've said this to you before. Maybe I've never, ever said this to you, Lord but please take the chains. Whether I've been building them all my life or just for a little while, and all of us, really, we've got links we need to let go of today as we head into Christmas. So be with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your eyes closed for a minute because I'd like to ask you, if you, if you prayed that prayer as a prayer of commitment for the first time, to ask Jesus into your heart or, or a time of rededication, you've been away and you want to come back, would you just raise your hand so that I can see you because I want to pray over you. Just raise your hand up right now. I, I'm, I, whatever campus you're at, whatever room you're at, thank you. I'm seeing chains dropped all over the place, and I know that there are on all of our campuses. Listen, let me pray for you right now. God, just be with these people with their hands up and the ones that maybe don't even have their hands up yet, but they know that inside they've really decided to make a difference and make a change. And it's not about Scrooge giving away things and being a better person. It's about the light as a feather act of accepting Jesus and accepting Christmas and understanding what salvation really is all about. Help us as we, as we head into this season, and it's in your name I pray. Amen.